0: This is The Legal Impact, a weekly show presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications, learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or hosts and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead and today I'm joined by Professor Buzz Sher, Director of the International Criminal Law and Justice Program. More information can be found at law.unh.edu slash I-C-L-J. Welcome to the show.
1: Pleasure to be back.
0: I wanted to discuss Ukraine in, in some way, and you you brought up a, a great point that we've kind of discussed with regards to previous uh, international conflicts, which is the subject of war crimes. And that's really coming back into uh, the public spotlight in light of the the Russian invasion of Ukraine and this a lot of the situations that are happening there. Let's start off with the baseline of what is considered a and when when you're talking from a legal perspective and who enforces those
1: several answers, mm-hmm. uh, one, you know, there's many, there's a number of definitions of war crimes. But you know, one good example that uh, I think is most relevant is uh, attacking civilians, uh, using attacks on civilians as uh, a tool of waging war. Um, so that, you know let let's work with with that as yeah. an example because i think it's a relevant one in this circumstance the real issue is what is the forum within which you raise the commission of war crimes and what is the 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 fix what's the remedy what's the punishment and uh, there's any number of forums there is you know the the uh the Security Council of the UN, the United Nations, could identify something as a war crime and uh, seek to uh, punish somebody, a a state for that. Uh, And I'll come back to the punishment piece in a minute. Mm -hmm. Could be uh, that the UN could establish a special tribunal. You know, there's been another, a number of special tribunals relating to Rwanda, relating to uh, Cambodia, Kampuchea. Uh, relating to the difficulties in that area um, that are authorized by the U.N. to, uh, quote-unquote, prosecute war crimes. Now, there's several things going on, even when you're, pros- quote-unquote, prosecuting a war crime. Um, are you prosecuting the country, or are you prosecuting individuals? You know, which is a big question. It's, it's much harder to prosecute individuals. Now, there's the International Criminal Court yeah uh which specifically talks about war crimes as well as genocide um uh that focuses on individuals neither the, neither Ukraine nor uh Russia are have signed on to uh the International Criminal Court yeah you know, Ukraine has complained to the International Criminal Court so let's move in in that in that from there to punishment Pretty much the extent of the punishment in any of the fora I've talked about is condemnation. Um, There's not really, and that's the. There's not really a uh, any power vested in any body to exact any kind of punishment on a country. Now, uh, if the International Criminal Court uh, uh were to be able to handle this um or if the u.n set up a special tribunal you know they could identify particular individuals in the uh, russian army or even uh, uh you know vladimir putin himself as guilty of war crimes uh and that's a long process and they, they end, end, end up identifying an individual if it were the international criminal court, which is the least likely given the lack of jurisdiction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the individual could be punished by being jailed. You know, that trial would occur in the Hague in the Netherlands. But uh, what, you know, the overarching theme here is international law doesn't have any effective punishment mechanisms for a country.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, the most effective punishment mechanisms we have are what's being used right now. Sanctions,
0: Sanctions yeah. It, and that's the be I mean, it, it's very it's very interesting to hear, like you always hear, like in the news, like for example, I'll link in the episode description, a link to a Reuters article. It looks like the International Criminal Court's prosecutor Kareem Khan said, quote, active investigations formally commence in Ukraine upon receipt of 30, of referrals by thirty-nine state parties, end quote. But if if they're not part of this court, I mean, they what they don't have any authority to do anything ultimately, right?
1: Well, yeah, and, it, and it, the emphasis on doing something. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, they can investigate. Uh, uh, and see what, you know, see what they find out. But it's going to be very difficult. You know, the International Criminal Court is not set up to prosecute a country particularly mm-hmm. well. They're set up to prosecute individuals.
0: And how like, would they even get a hold of these individuals?
1: Yeah, like Slobodan Milosevic. Well, they have some authority, you know, they got a hold of Milosevic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get hold of They can. It's possible to get hold of individuals, but it's difficult. Uh, And it's the, you know, post-World War II, a little bit of history. Post-World War II, there were the Nuremberg trials, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where after the fact, uh, much of the world decided we're going to prosecute these Nazi individuals for, let's loosely use the term, war crimes. Mm -hmm. Okay um, those war crimes, you know, the, the quote unquote statute that they were prosecuting them under didn't exist at the time of the war. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that was one of the fundamental, uh, um, uh, weaknesses in the Nuremberg trials, even though they went ahead and prosecuted them and they actually executed some people. But, um, you know, it, 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 it it goes against the grain of what most people think. Well, after you commit the crime, we're, we're after you do something that we don't like, we're now going to call it a crime. And you put it that way. We don't like it. But, you know, the power of Nuremberg, you know, we've just coming out of a, a, a the most violent war we've ever had in the world. And, we and, there, had- and there
0: was a strong public push to punish oh, Germany yeah. in some widespread way.
1: And there was the Holocaust, which is, you know, know, remains just an unimaginable horror. The reason I bring the Nuremberg trials up is I think people in the long term post-Nuremberg understood that problem. And so the post-Nuremberg era in the late 40s was the origins of what ended up being in the 21st century, the International Criminal Court. But it took 40 plus 50 plus 40 plus years for the international community to get together and put in place that 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 structure such as as limited as it is i mean it's better than nothing but it took them 40 years and that's the nature of uh international efforts to punish violations of the international community yeah now in theory the united states or any other country could try and punish individual actors in the russian-ukrainian war with u.s statutes or german statutes under a theory of universal jurisdiction you know if if for example, uh, some there are some statutes like uh, terrorism statutes, you know, you could uh, they uh, in the United States federal statutes that you can prosecute people who never set foot in the United States for crimes they committed that violate U.S. law mm-hmm. in uh, in another country. And, you know, it, it, it's. It's, it's a messy area in terms of claiming jurisdiction but that's possible but notice again what I'm talking about prosecuting individuals yeah. you know, you, it, 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 it doesn't really work to indict a country right. um, I mean they've tried to prosecute the individuals involved in uh, you know the hacking that uh, that group of uh, hackers uh, cyber crimes committed by a group of hackers out of St. Petersburg, uh, authorized by the uh, Russian government. And, you know, they indicted them. There are like 12 or 13 indictments, including a company. And nothing's come of it because they don't have, they can't go get them. They gotta wait until they go to like uh, a friendly country that can arrest them and then extradite them to this country And, and, and that's not gonna happen by and large. So, you know, one, it's hard to prosecute a country Two, uh, it is hard, it's easier to prosecute individuals, but you're very much limited by, you know, whether they're covered by the Internet, whether they're a member of the International Criminal Court. In theory, you could prosecute the country through the International Court of Justice, which exists to resolve disputes between countries um you know if they're having a border dispute you could put uh, you could put the case one country could complain to the Inter- international court of justice uh and uh get a decision from them but again countries ignore those decisions yeah uh, if
0: you have that authority of um uh, military support or anything like that i mean it's almost impossible to enforce international actions
1: yes that said, it's better to have those structures there, the International you know, Court of Justice, the International Criminal Court, you know, the special tribunals in, uh, that would be empowered by uh, uh, the U.N. General Assembly. Uh, it's better that they are there. Um And to try and make them work, sometimes they do work, but it is the fundamental problem with international agreements. They're only as good as the people who enforce them, and the enforcement mechanisms are not great.
0: What seems to be very unique in at least recent memory with Ukraine is the fact that it's a... Um, it, it's a, one of the world's larger, uh, more powerful countries is invading a territory, a, 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 an independent country, just completely a sovereign nation, a, a sovereign you know. nation, uh, what appears on papers unprovoked, let's say allegedly unprovoked, put it that way. They ha- they have, there's been all sorts of weird stuff with regards to they think this is, uh, uh, with regards to nuclear powers and nato and everything whatever we're not diving down that route <laughs> the the real question to for me with regards to this is there's a large it, like the whole civilian population of Ukraine is really stepping up when it comes to defending their country against Russia. And there's that aspect of guerrilla warfare and whether these in, to me is what are are these individuals taking up arms against Russia? Are they considered civilians? At what point is it transition from being a civilian with a gun versus being part of the government?
1: Remarkably murky area. Mm hmm. And uh, if, if, for example, if, if Russia were to take over uh, the government of Ukraine and put in place what I would call a puppet government, yeah. then would any guerrilla warfare by citizens, for example, particularly in western Ukraine, which is uh, – uh, ne- Russia's never going to be able to kind of control or occupy that larger area. Uh, would that then just be called a civil, you know, Russia would call what's happening as a civil war. Yeah. Um, and so there's all these ins and outs. Now that said, um, you know, there is punishment. You know, we know that punishment, we're all familiar with it. It's war, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, one way to punish Russia is to, uh, declare a no, no fly zone and enforce it to send NATO troops into Ukraine. I mean, that, you know, there and you know, that's historically the ultimate international penalty for violating the international community's sense of what is right and wrong. It's nobody, well, it's virtually nobody's favorite punishment, and it's an extreme measure, and uh, there are consequences. And, you know, that's what the international community, other than Russia, maybe China— uh, that's what the international community is figure, trying to figure out. You know, where 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 is that line? You know, where where do we? What is the line that Russia crosses uh, that means we're sending troops in there, or we're going to enforce a no-fly zone? You know, the no-fly. The point of a no-fly zone is, if the Russians' aircraft were to violate it, you would shoot them
0: down. Right, which is yeah. the reason why we're very cautious, cautious with regards to going down that route right now.
1: Yeah, and you know, and there's a lot of reasons not to go down that route. Um, Yet, what are we doing? Uh, We are, we are all Europe, the world, the United States, sitting here in this uh, high tech age, literally watching this invasion happen with a feeling of helplessness you know we are the most powerful country in the world europe is an incredibly a a united europe is very powerful also um and uh there is this this deep sense of helplessness because we've made the decision not to cross the line and and uh declare a no-fly zone Uh, or invade now that said you know again that said the longer the invasion goes on the more economic pain Russia is going to suffer and it's not going to be it's going to be pretty extraordinary economic pain they're going to suffer you know private entities are now pulling out of Russia Yeah. Um, uh, Well, they're
0: turning like you there. There's a bunch of photos and videos of Russian civilians trying to get on public transport and they can't because Apple Pay and Google Pay is turned off.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, that's just a a small but, you know, at the least, it's it's a huge inconvenience. But some of the other stuff like the ruble is is getting getting closer and closer to being worthless. Uh, Nobody, uh, you know, high tech companies are not uh, semiconductor manufacturers are are no longer sending stuff there, you know, other equipment replacements that they're going to need to continue to wage this war. They're not going to be getting them, you know, so I don't mean to suggest that we can do nothing we the international community can do nothing because these economic it's a really remarkable set of economic sanctions that's been in place you know credit to the european union and credit to uh the united states president biden for for uh pulling all that together uh in a unified fashion so there you know russia is really being isolated but it's an interesting difficult i hate to use this expression because it 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 feels like it diminishes it but it's a really difficult intense game of chicken yeah you know uh it's 100 that yeah can we can we make this so so painful for you that you're going to get internal opposition you're not going to be able in terms of materials to continue to wage this war are we going to be able to have that effect on you before you have you know completely taken over Ukraine Mm -hmm. um and you know that's the back and you know back that's the the game of chicken and it's boy is it a high level uh awesomely dangerous and again back to that question I I'm sure the leaders of the countries involved in NATO and the United States have been having endless conversations about What's the line that needs to be crossed before we um, uh, before we commit aircraft or troops? You know, yeah. one one person I was uh, reading commentary by one person is the you know the foreign minister. I think it was the foreign minister, the head of the defense department in Russia, who had a map up and it was describing what was going on and down in the corner the country of Moldova which is a small country on the southwestern edge of Ukraine um the much smaller country um you know what if they invade Moldova yeah you know Lithuania Estonia Latvia you know those countries uh uh on the, uh, on the Baltic are are you know they're they're nervous because you know, mm-hmm. the the logic behind what uh, uh, Putin, the articulated logic is the best way to put it that that Putin has been uh, uh, saying is, Ukraine is naturally part of Russia. It's 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 ours, and that you know could be said about Latvia, Estonia, in in that tortured logic. So very complicated.
0: Professor Boucher, Director of the International Criminal Law and Justice Program. Learn more about them at law.unh.edu ICLJ. Thanks for listening to The Legal Impact presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread a word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Get the back episodes into the show and the podcast links at law.unh.edu slash podcasts.